two, three, breaks. Down the middle of the field, it is caught. Loose football. Who's got it? Down at the one-yard line. How about that? That is the ultimate kibosh. (laughs) (laughs) And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. It is week 17. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and I hope that all of you had a wonderful holiday season. This week, we're doing something of a combo show. Normally, I uh, do the Wednesday episode with Peter Jennings and Sean Corner and the Friday show with Chris Rabon. This week, we are consolidating the Wednesday and the Friday episodes. We are recording on Thursday. In fact, this episode might even be released on Thursday. Uh, And so Peter, Sean, and Chris are all on the pod. You can follow them in the Action Network app at CSURAM88, the underscore odds maker, and Chris Rabon. Peter is a Fantasy Labs co-founder and two-time DFS world champion. Sean is the Action Network director of predictive analytics and the number one in-season fantasy pros ranker for each of the past three seasons. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst of the Action Network and a co-host of I'll Take That Bet on ESPN+. Guys, Pete, uh, good time with the family for the holidays? Yes. Uh, I love Christmas a lot more than Thanksgiving. Uh, watching basketball is, is more fun, and I, I make my family watch a little bit of it, so it was great. And uh, yeah, it was a really nice week 16, finished uh, really strong, so happy about that. And yeah, week 17 is, is definitely uh, one of the best DFS slates of the year and excited to dig in with you guys. Yeah, and on the topic of Christmas basketball, shout out to the uh, Action Network and Fantasy Labs guys who have done great work this NBA season. I know almost nothing about the NBA, but uh, had a very nice and profitable Christmas day thanks to all the work that they do. Sean, good holidays. Yeah, yeah, it was nice getting a little uh, break, um, and I, I'm happy to announce I locked up our Action Network Fancy Football League, so that that was fun too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ready to get into uh, you know Week 17 DFS, like you mentioned, this is my favorite week by far uh, with all the turnover and then getting ready for the playoffs. Raybon, holiday party you attended at the Action Network headquarters in New York. Give us the the details. How was it? Oh, I mean, it was it was pretty dope. I think the first highlight was that uh, we had a pinata and a couple people took some swings with no luck. And then our guy, Jeff Schwartz, you know, he gets up there just real easy swing and candy just goes everywhere. I mean, it was amazing. (laughs) Um, There's also a pepper eating contest that I would like to forget. Um, I I won said pepper eating contest, but my tongue was numb for about the next hour. Um, So that was not, that was not fun, but. Um, overall, great, great holiday party. Yeah, I would expect uh, former professional athlete Jeff Schwartz to be able to crush a pinata. Uh, and then I would say you were not, in fact, the winner of the pepper eating contest, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, okay. <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. I wasn't, I wasn't even the favorite, though. I was actually the – there was three people, and I was, uh, I was the biggest underdog. So, um, yeah, I hope somebody uh, made, some, made some money off me. Of, of course, people were wagering money on this uh, for the show. We're going to look at the guys who right now are popping in our pro models. And uh, as Pete and Sean mentioned, uh, this is a week in which a lot is in flux. Uh, so definitely be sure to consult our models throughout the week because I'm sure our projections will be changing as news breaks and uh, we get more updates on what teams plan to do with their starters as some teams will be uh, resting players, uh, Each team this week has different motivations, so just be sure to uh, follow the news and continue to look at our models. But anyway, right now, we're going to look at the guys who are standing out in our pro models. 
we're going to think about some players we might fade, uh, some games or teams we might want to stack, and then each of us is going to give our favorite bet of the week. And of course, we're going to make some prop bets. While you're listening to the show, please rate and review the Action Network NFL podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. And for all of our written content, go to the Action Network and Fantasy Labs. You can get our weekly fantasy rankings at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. It's week 17, but we are still doing rankings. Uh, that is how committed we are to this game of fantasy. Guys, let's start with the the quarterbacks. Right now, uh, at least kind of on the expensive side of everything, the two quarterbacks standing out uh, are Patrick Mahomes uh, at home against the Oakland Raiders, Roethlisberger at home against Cincinnati. And then in the mid range, we have Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, and Tom Brady. Chris, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Out of any of those quarterbacks, is there someone who catches your eye or are you looking uh, somewhere else? I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes in this spot against the Raiders. They rank 31st in DVOA against the pass. And if you look at Mahomes, he blows every other quarterback out of the water in projected plus minus, which is a highly predictive metric um, that we use here that got even more ridiculously predictive um, when Sean Corner came on board. I wonder why. Mahomes is in a spot here where if you look compare him to Roethlisberger, the over-under in that game is plummeting in the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game. Uh, Cincinnati, not as formidable an opponent on offense because they're with Jeff Driscoll. They look like they're going to be without Tyler Boyd. Their offense is just decimated. I love Mahomes and just going with the guy who's, who's thrown 48 touchdowns already this season. He also has 77% of the Chiefs' touchdowns have been passing this season compared to uh, 68% for the Steelers. So I think um, you also have kind of a little bit of, a, of an edge there just in terms of we know Kansas City's probably going to put up some points. Pittsburgh are probably going to put up some points, but Mahomes more likely to have a bigger chunk of, of that share. Sean, you mentioned earlier that this is your favorite week of the regular season. It's kind of like the um, regular season version of the preseason, uh, and I believe you like the preseason quite a bit. Uh, how are you approaching uh, these different quarterbacks, especially given the different motivations that they have? Yeah, that's the key for week 17 is motivation. You know, to piggyback what Raybon said, I love Mahomes this week. I I view him more as a high floor play. Um, I'm a little bit worried about his ceiling just because they won't need to throw too much to put away the Raiders. Um, And, you know, I love bringing it up that the Raiders have only allowed one 300 passing yard game all year. So I think Mahomes is a lock for a couple touchdowns. He needs two to hit 50. So I think you got to watch out for milestones too. I think teams definitely like I'm getting players to certain milestones. So I think Mahomes is a lock for a couple touchdowns. And he's a, he's a great cash game play this week because we'll get to it later. But running back has so much value um, that it's pretty easy to spend up at all the other positions just because of all the value at running back. So so I'm liking Mahomes and Big Ben at uh, QB. And then a little bit farther down, I do like Lamar Jackson um, at 5,600. You know, he's really high floor player with, with the massive ceiling like we've seen. So um, Lamar Jackson sticks out for me in the, the mid-tier. Pete, what about you? Uh, who is catching your eye? For me, it's it's all about Mahomes as well. And I actually have less concerns than, than the rest of the guys in terms of the potential for a ceiling game here. Uh, Travis Kelsey they needs to uh, hold off George Kittle to, to break Rob Gronkowski's record. Uh, Mahomes is also uh, the leader right now in the MVP race. There's a good article on the Action Network about that. And uh, I think the Chiefs really want to make sure that they get him the MVP and that they win this game uh, in a big way. They, uh, they'll they get a bye if they win this game. And I think Mahomes will stay out there and they'll put the pedal to the metal. Uh, one other thing that's really helpful for Mahomes in this matchup he has pretty uh, big splits in terms of how he performs under pressure and without pressure. And uh, he's just been unreal without pressure on him all year. And the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL 
and getting pressure on the quarterback. So everything lines up in general. I try not to take quarterbacks uh, that are going to just blow out other teams. Uh, but in this spot, given that uh, I think they'll be trying to get him additional stats for the MVP, they need to get Kelsey stats for his milestone, and it's a must-win game to get that by. Uh, I'm going to be all in on Mahomes and Cash. Sean, I'd like to uh, return to you. Uh, you mentioned cheap running backs, a lot of running back value on the slate. It makes it easier to pay up at other positions. Uh, right now, Saquon Barkley is someone who is standing out on the expensive side in our models. But if you are looking to go cheap at the position, who are the guys who are catching your eye right now? Yeah, so at the moment, um, guys like Jeff Wilson, uh, Matt Breida is ruled out already this week. Jeff Wilson's a great play at 4,400. Um, you'll have Royce Freeman at 3,500 with Philip Lindsay out. Um, and then sort of in the, the mid tier, you have Jamal Williams, um, at 6k, which I think is still a little too cheap uh, for him. And then we just have some guys that we, we're not sure yet how the saints or Cowboys are going to handle, uh, their starters. So guys like Dwayne Washington or Rod Smith could bump into play. Christian McCaffrey might get rested. So a guy like Cameron R's pain might get in play. So this is something we'll have to monitor, but I think we're going to have, you know, three or four, um, near min price players that are all going to be viable DFS options this week. Chris, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on this. Normally on the Friday show, you look at the slate kind of from a, a strategy-focused perspective, uh, thinking about roster construction. Do you think for this week, uh, roster construction, the way to go is to uh, load up on a lot of the cheap running backs and uh, pay up elsewhere? Or uh, what, what are you kind of looking to do? Yeah, I think I definitely want to use um, two cheap running backs because – I think Saquon, I'm going to be playing him regardless because he doesn't need to rest. He's been out there, and he just he's just such a ridiculous um, volume hog for the, for the Giants that um, I think I do want to get him in there just for that floor. But, yeah, I'm looking for two, cheap, two, two other cheap running backs, and then what that allows you to do is it allows you to get a guy like, um, you know, Pete mentioned Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey's in a smash spot against this Raider defense that – uh, tends to tends to do well against uh, top wide receivers, but really struggles against the tight end position. So, um, you know, these pass catchers, they're more volatile. They're tougher to predict than running backs. And so um, anytime you can go with value at running back to buy, essentially buy yourself some predictability at the pass catcher positions, um, that's usually what you're going to, to want to do, especially in a slate where there's not like, especially if McCaffrey rest, there's not going to be like a multiple – stud running backs that are in smash spots that you just want to jam in so um definitely love the uh the the cheap running backs expensive pass catch this week pete uh who are the running backs who catch your eye i think running backs actually the toughest position on the week depending on what happens and there's a lot of things that we're going to wait for grushan and jeff wilson you know cheap guys like peyton barber are also interesting potentially royce freeman his pass catching role or lack thereof is is a concern for me at the high end, uh, I'm struggling. I mean, yeah, I do like Barkley. We'll see how they, they handle him. He's uh, also fighting for Rookie of the Year against Baker Mayfield and the Giants. Obviously, want to justify their picking him, so that's another factor. Um, but, yeah, no one really, like, totally stands out. I think one guy who would become massive chalk uh, would be C.J. Anderson if Todd Gurley gets ruled out. Uh, I'd be surprised if that happened, given how close it seemed he was last week and the fact that the Rams need to win this game. But – yeah, it's, it's a wait-and-see kind of approach for me at the position. There's guys in smash spots that you're worried about, like Chris Carson, for example, I think could have a huge game if he was given his normal opportunity. But Seattle really doesn't have incentive here. They're going to be the fifth or the sixth seed, which means they're going on the road for a playoff game either way. 
Um, Jamal Williams, I guess, makes a lot of sense, but who knows what we see from Green Bay. So uh, running back is the one position where I don't have as much conviction at this point. Hopefully there's some uh, definitive news on Friday or Saturday uh, that makes it easier to, to pick this position. This is a, a random question. It's not as if this is anything close to what we see in the NBA where players can be scratched an hour before game time, but there is uh, much more uncertainty this week. And I'm wondering like how it is or, or when you guys really start to build lineups, given that we just we have incomplete information. Uh, do you kind of go through uh, just different scenarios of thinking like, okay, if, uh, if Todd Gurley is out, this is what my lineup is likely to look like if I'm starting CJ Anderson. Do you kind of start to like, how early in the week do you start to go through kind of like contingent lineups or do you even go through that process? I guess like the big question is what is your week 17 process? Sean, I'm going to start with you first with that question. For the early games, I always wait till all the inactives come out, uh, and then I update projections ASAP after that. Uh, but this week, we do have, I, I think it's like seven, eight games, 1 p.m. Pacific time and beyond. So yeah, it's it's going to require more um, advanced planning, potential scenarios, where um, even teams that play uh, later, um, they might have their seating locked in. So you have to kind of be aware of situations like that. Like, I don't know if they the Chargers can get locked in or something, but um, a scenario like that, you got to plan advance and, you know, utilize late swap for, but um, I don't really plan anything until all the inactives are out for week 17. Cause you never know, yeah. you know, even a guy like Julio Jones, they might just go like, you know what, we're, we're letting him rest, getting him ready for next year or something. So um, it's, it's way too soon to be locking lineups um, this early in the week. I usually make them um, pretty early in the week. Well, early relative, um, like Wednesday, Thursday. You know, I am I do write the uh, the breakdowns, which usually come out Friday, Saturday. So I like to have a good handle on you know what I'm doing by that time. And a lot of it just comes down to roster builds. So for example, this week, you know, I, I think I'm still going with, with with Saquon Barkley no matter what. Um, his ceiling projection is, is five points higher than than any other uh, flex eligible player on the slate in our models on DraftKings. So um, I kind of know that I'll have Saquon in and, you know, there'll be a couple other guys, probably um, somebody like Travis Kelsey, who I'll kind of lock in. And then from there, I'll, I'll know my my build. I'll save those lineups. I'll save different iterations of those lineups to, uh, you know, in our models. And then um, as the week progresses and we get news, I'll kind of just, you know, do what you said, Friedman, which is prepare for different scenarios. So I'll just go and save a bunch of different lineups so that um, when, when Sunday in, in active hit, I can kind of quickly import the lineups that I like or um, kind of build off those without kind of having to start from scratch because we really don't have that much time, you know, between when inactives come out and when uh, lineups are going to lock. All right, Pete, uh, any, any final thoughts here on week 17, kind of when it is that you start to do your things? I'll spend most of the time on Saturday uh, making my, my main teams and then be able to update them on Sunday. We'll see what happens on Friday with some of the reports, and hopefully we'll have a lot more information. We learn a lot in general throughout the year on the Friday practice reports, but Week 17 still is a different animal. And then tournaments, I mean, you really have to be pivoting around and uh, aware of the news. This week in particular, I think it's really critical to understand how the slate breaks down. Sean hit on it a little bit. But uh, we have the, the slate really split between 1 p.m. Eastern and 425 Eastern. And almost all of the playoff implications are with teams at 425 Eastern. So uh, you should know that – or you should be really thinking about how you're going to late swap as well as uh, how you might react to certain news if it comes out before those 425 games. Um, we'll get to it on some of these plays. But like the Chargers, for example, um, they have incentive to win. They're, they're starting late. But at halftime, for instance, if uh, they see the Chiefs are up 35 nothing, uh, they might scale back some of their players. So uh, the 425 games, a lot of these teams that have a little bit of motivation or 
you know, they have a they have real incentive to win, but they're worried about the other matchups. That's where you have to just be a little aware of uh, potentially some of the guys getting rested maybe in the, the second half. Mm-hmm. All right, good stuff there. The wide receivers who are standing out, the expensive guys, three of them right now, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill. Chris, any of those guys uh, kind of catching your eye, or are you looking elsewhere? You know, as long as Devontae Adams plays and, and, and Aaron Rodgers plays, I still, I'm still going with Adams. I mean, this guy's been money in the bank all season long. He's He's been just, you know, touchdown or – ridiculous amounts of receptions and yards every single week. So um, give me Devontae as long as, as Aaron Rodgers plays. But, um, you know, if, if we get kind of question marks, then I think I'm probably going to look to, 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 to just pay down uh, a tiny, tiny bit, you know, maybe because, Ty- again, the Raiders are, for whatever reason, they've, they've, been, they've done fairly well against uh, number one wide receivers. And so um, I think I'd be kind of looking – a little bit to that next tier, you know, Julian Edelman, uh, guys in that range. Yeah, on the expensive end, I'm looking at Hopkins and Adams. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, with running back, so many value plays, it's it's pretty easy to fit in both guys. And then, you know, in the mid-tier range, guys like Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Robbie Anderson, um, all make sense to, to round out your receiving core. Um, but also on the on the cheap end, there, there's some decent plays this week. Um, a guy like Ted Ginn might surprise. He, he returned from the IR last week. So I'm going to monitor that. But the, the Saints might play him quite a bit to just get his conditioning um, in for the playoffs. Um, so, you know, near min price, he could be a, a good GBP play. But, um, you know, other than that, uh, for wide receiver for me, it's mostly going to be the expensive guys. I'm just jamming him because um, all the value that uh, running back clears up for me. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I'm definitely spending up. Uh, Devontae Adams has one of the best narratives on the entire slate. Needs two catches to break the reception record for the Packers. Needs 133 yards to tie. The Jordy Nelson receiving yard record is 134 to break it. 18 targets last week. Aaron Rodgers is going to get him the ball. He's hyper aware of those records. And I think he's uh, got one of the highest floors and ceilings on the slate. I love DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, that's a, a tricky matchup to kind of go into. Obviously, Jacksonville showed one of the best defenses last year. Haven't been the same this year, and they have no motivation, but maybe they get up with this game. So that's something to, to monitor. Uh, you guys hit on a lot of them uh, that I think are really good plays. Probably my favorite cheap receiver is Chris Godwin. If uh, Deshaun Jackson does indeed not play, uh, Godwin's been just a total stud uh, with Deshaun Jackson out. Has had uh, one or two duds, but the volume's always been there and he's a really talented player. Uh, the Pittsburgh receivers are obviously really nice as well, but uh, I feel really comfortable at the receiver position uh, relative to running back. Yeah, and, and one quick thing on Adams. Uh, he's got an outside shot at becoming just the fourth wide receiver in NFL history to uh, have 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns in the same season. I think the only other guys are uh, Jerry Rice uh, and then – Randy Moss. Yeah, Randy Moss and then Calvin Johnson, I think, is, is the third one. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty elite club if you can get there. Uh, at tight end, there's really only one guy who's standing out in our models, and uh, we mentioned him earlier, Travis Kelsey, just this smash matchup uh, against the Raiders who in past DVOA against tight ends are dead last in the league. Um, obviously, he's someone that we might be looking to put into the lineups if you want to pay up at the position, but uh, just curious if any other guys are catching your eye, Chris. I think both tight ends in the Rams and 49ers games have to catch your eye. I mean, George Kittle, you know, his target share has been up around 30%. 
over these last few weeks because and now you're looking at Dante Pettis being out as well so um, you know what is what is San Francisco really going to do but but feed George Kittle the ball and you also have Gerald Everett and Gerald Everett for the Rams has kind of come on a little bit of late he's kind of had a little bit of a bump in target share with uh, you know ever since Cooper Cup has gone down. He's got seven, seven, and six targets in his last three games with four, five, and five catches. And you know, anytime you're you're getting the ball in that kind of offense, I think you have a, a really good chance at you know probably I would say sneaky uh, multi touchdown upside. He's gotten a, a red zone target in two of the last three games. So love Everett, love Kittle. If you're pivoting off Kelsey, and those are the top the number two and number three uh, tight ends in our fantasy labs models on DraftKings, by the way. So Kelsey's number one, but those those two or two and three yeah same here uh, obviously i agree with the models um i, I will mention you know everett he, they're getting involved in those jet sweep plays so he had uh two direct carries last week um he's had six or more targets three games in a row so yeah i think we're in the middle of the break the gerald everett breakout we've kind of been waiting for um and he's only 2800 so he's a he's a good pivot play if um you know most of my lineups are going to have either kelsey and some of them kittle but um everett makes a good um you know contrarian play position yeah, I love that call on Everett. I think he makes sense if you're going to pay down. I think Kelsey's the uber chalk, and rightfully so. Uh, George Kittle is another great play that uh, Raybon obviously got into. Uh, and I love that Kyle Shanahan, there's audio of him talking about how he needed to get him another catch when he had that ridiculous game. They're certainly aware of all the records, and Kittle's just been ridiculous all year. Have to shout out Zach Ertz. Big ups to him. In the best ball tournaments, I really targeted the premium tight ends. My biggest position on the year by far was Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz was on uh, both the winning teams for me this year. So still love Zach Ertz, and he might be a good contrarian option relative to Kittle and Kelsey, who I think are going to soak up a lot more ownership. Uh, the Eagles still have uh, incentive here. They can somehow get a win in the Vikings, lose to Chicago. Uh, then, you know, the Eagles are in. So... I think Ertz is a really nice play, and Washington's just given up uh, on the defensive side. So uh, all three elite tight ends are great, and then I think Everett and Herndon are probably my favorite punt tight ends. All right, let's look at some players who might be expensive or guys we might think who are popular uh, that we would be fine with fading this week. And potentially this could be guys that uh, might be looking to to rest uh, for playoff runs or just might not play because their teams are uh, just out of the playoffs, things like that. Chris, anyone catching your eye? Yeah, there's quite a few because, I mean, if you look at the, the top of the price and you're going to see guys like uh, Zeke Elliott, you know, uh, I think anyone on the Saints, um, you know, any of those studs, the Saints studs, Alvin Kamara is another one. Um, those guys are guys who probably not going to have a, a ton of ownership, if any. I, I understand kind of the contrarian viewpoint of it. Of, hey, you know, these guys are talented if they play, but I just think there's on a slate where there's literally 30 of the 32 teams in play. You don't necessarily want to be, you know, messing around with contrarian guys at that high of a price tag, and instead of just trying to maximize your your value, because there's so many other ways you could go about that and still be, um, still get low ownership. So I'll be fading all of those those studs on the team on the all the studs that may not play uh, the entire game. Yeah, it's ironic. It is the largest main slate of the season with 15 games, but the uh, the player pool is probably smaller than it is in a lot of weeks. Oh, yeah. Sean, who are you looking to stay away from? Yeah, that's my theme this week, too, is uh, look out for motivation. So fading guys like Zeke, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Mari Cooper. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, the, the Cowboys and Saints don't really have anything to play for, and they're going to the playoffs. So that's a bad combo to have. And then I'm pivoting to guys that are motivated, guys like DeAndre Hopkins that need to win. Um, Saquon Barkley have some 
you know, specific incentives like rookie of the year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we saw a few years ago, um, I believe it was the Redskins were the only team that really had nothing to play for. And they, they were only going to play cousins for one half and he ended, up, he ended up throwing for three touchdowns in the first half. So uh, when those things happen, I think you just have to deal with it. Um, I'm not here to try to predict those things. So I'm not too worried about chalk and whatnot. I'm just, I'm playing the straight up. And like I said, just, you know, avoid the guys with nothing to play for and target the guys that do have motivation this week. All right, Pete, what about you? Yeah, first time all year I felt great about this segment. It's easy to go through the top guys <laughs> that you want to fade. They might not play the whole game. I mean, Chris McCaffrey, certainly, Ezekiel Elliott. I'd even throw Melvin Gordon uh, as a player that I, I probably will fade. Uh, that's one of the spots in particular that, yes, the Chargers, if they win and the Chiefs lose, they get a bye. However, Chiefs being at home and just massive favors versus Oakland. Um, Eckler's back. Uh, you know, they saw Justin Jackson play really well. And I expect the Chargers to be scoreboard watching at halftime, given that all those games start at the same time. And if they see that, you know, can have four or five touchdowns or even less than that, um, you know, I could see them just kind of easing Gordon's role in the second half of that game. So there's a ton of guys. Alvin Kamara is another one. Um, Chris Carson, who I mentioned before, he's in the mid-range. Uh, I think he's got a great matchup, but we'll see hard to, to trust Seattle going out there and just giving him 30 touches uh, when they really have no incentive in the game. So there's a ton of guys like that. And we've talked about the plays we like. It's easy to, to pivot over to, to players who have big incentive to win. And we kind of know what the teams are going to do. Okay. Let's uh, think about some of the teams or games we might be looking to stack. Uh, if you look at the live odds page at the action network, uh, you see that the, the games, uh, the three games with the highest over unders right now, Raiders at Chiefs, 52.5. Uh, Falcons at Bucks, 50.5. And, and then 49ers at Rams, 49 points. Uh, and there's a pretty precipitous drop after those three games. Uh, and I believe we have mentioned players in all of those games. Those would obviously be ones we might be looking to stack. Um, are there other games uh, that might be a little less obvious uh, that you still think have some shootout potential? Chris. For, first of all, I'll say that that, that Bucks falcons game is a game that I, I really like. Um, of those three that you mentioned, I think that's the game where the defenses are just so bad that um, even if you know, the, the star players don't play, there's still enough talent um, with the secondary guys that uh, you know, that game could go you know, well, well over the total. But outside of that, I think the, the Green Bay and uh, Detroit game, if Aaron Rodgers plays, is a game that um, you could see a little more you know, scoring in the over-under might suggest Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. You have two quarterbacks that, you know, as long as Kenny Galladay plays, I think the Detroit offense, I mean, looking at what Sam Darnold and the Jets were able to do against the Green Bay defense last week, um, not not too worried about Stafford in this particular spot, even though I have been off of him for most of the year. And then, you know, Pete hit on it. You know, Devontae Adams still has um, records to get. Aaron Rodgers wants to be out there. Uh, you know, I'm sure Jimmy Graham would like to end the season on a high note. So just a bunch of, of things where I think that the, the, the offenses in this game are going to have be able to have some success um, and more success than, than, than we think, given the given the spread. That's probably a little bit conservative just based on the possibility of not everyone giving it 100 percent. You know, I was hoping I'd be able to stack this Falcons Buccaneers game, but it, it sounds like they want to get Ryan Griffin some snaps at QB. So. You know, I'm a little bit soured on Jameis Winston, unfortunately. So I've been looking at this uh, 49ers-Rams game as the top game to stack. You know, there's a ton of potential on both sides. Uh, we didn't even talk about him earlier, but Kendrick Bourne is a great cheap, uh, you know, mm -hmm. wide receiver play this week. Dante Pettis is out. 
Uh, Marquise Goodwin is pretty banged up, so he could get a ton of targets. George Kittle, Gerald Everett in that game. So I, I just think that 49ers Ram game has a ton of potential, especially if uh, they decide to sit Gurley again and we have C.J. Anderson. So um, that's the game I'm kind of keying in on right now. All right, Pete, what about you? Oh, I love the game stacks in general, and it's something that I think is really important in tournaments and uh, something I've tried to do, and definitely this offseason I'm going to work really hard to identify uh, how I can get better at it because I do see that the top tournament players uh, are leveraging it in some capacity. And it makes sense when, uh, you know, the, the top stacks go off, they uh, oftentimes need a lot of points from the opposing team to do well. However, this week there's not that many great games for, for big stacks, and a lot of the players I love – are in spots where I just think that they're going to go off. I mean, we, we hit on it with the Chiefs. Uh, I don't really have a lot of faith in the Raiders. The guys I'd want to run back with are injured and beat up. You have the Patriots and Jets game, which I guess would be my favorite one, but the Jets are only implied for 15 and a half points. So it's tough. I mean, like the Falcons-Tampa Bay game, uh, I love Godwin, but there's rumors that, uh, you know, the, the Tampa Bay wants to see what they have in their third stringer, so we might not even get a full game of Jameis Winston. Uh, Julio Jones could sit who knows what uh, the Falcons will do with Tevin Coleman so there's a lot of spots where it's just very tricky to figure out uh, what to do and this might be a week where I make less correlated teams and just try to jam in uh, the high-end equity guys in tournaments and hope that my opponents make mistakes with uh, players who might not be playing full full game. I, I will say this about the uh, the Raiders Chiefs game like I, I actually do like uh, a bunch of players on the Raiders because they've like, over these last weeks, they start to feed Jordy Nelson. You know, it's really off-brand for me, but, I mean, I don't You're know. The old, slow, white receiver yeah, Jordy yeah, Nelson. Yeah, I mean, I've been fading him for, for, like, the whole year, but, I mean, 10 catches on 11 targets uh, against the Chiefs in the first meeting. After that game, he goes six catches on seven targets, six catches on eight targets, seven catches on 10 targets. I mean, this guy, he hasn't had less than, uh, than six catches in over a month. I, I think that – you know, being at the stage that he is in his career I, I, with John Gruden and his tanking team, I think they'll try to do him some favors and continue to pad his numbers in case he wants to, um, you know, uh, you know, have, have just have some good numbers for, you know, on his as he goes out of here. So I, I like uh, I like the Raiders. I think Carr is even a sneaky uh, a sneaky play as well. Any Richard exposure uh, there? I mean, Richard is tough because it's just he's kind of always giving you the same. I'd actually almost rather go with Doug Martin because they've been using him like an RB1. It just depends on the game script. Now, this is a game where it obviously could get out of hand, but um, he could get the goal line carries. He'll catch a pass or two. Um, I, I don't know. I like the Raiders offense. But going, yeah. back to, going back to Jordy, were you kind of alluding you might, you might think he would retire after this? I think, he, I think he might retire. I think he might retire, to be honest. I, I, I mean, it's, he's just – he's not the same guy. So I don't know how long he wants to keep doing this. It's a, like he played on a terrible team this year. I don't know if he wants to, you know, do that again or if he's – is he a free agent or was he a one-year deal or a two-year? you remember? I don't know. Do you guys know? Because, uh, yeah, there's there's some guys that, you know, this might be their final game, so teams might, you know, give yeah. them some extra targets. So, yeah, that's a good call. I think he's on a two-year deal, but I don't think okay. that would actually matter. Uh, and I, I might be wrong on that. He, he is on a two-year deal. Yeah, so he says, it says he's actually planning to stay. So maybe not that. But, I mean, he's just – I mean, regardless of the, the motivation, I mean, he's just stepped it up lately, so I don't see why um, – you know, I mean, at that that price, he's not like it's, he's projected for a high ownership. I, I think it's a it's a decent spot if the Chiefs and Kelsey are putting up a bunch of points. Um, somebody has to kind of catch the ball, and Marcel Aitman's really disappeared over these last couple of games. Uh, okay, let's talk about our picks. Real quick, real quick, I just looked yeah. at the Jordan Nelson thing a little bit. 
they, they can release him and not be on the hook for some of his incentives for the second year. So maybe it is just like, it, it, it's a two year deal, but it, it might function more as a one. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's get to our picks. Uh, one game and one pick for fantasy. Uh, Raybon, I'm kicking it to you. All right. Let's start with fantasy. A guy I really think is sneaky uh, this week is Dante Moncrief um, going against the, the Texans secondary. I mean, yeah, going against the Texans secondary with Bortles. Starting back at quarterback, uh, Moncrief's production really fell off a cliff um, once Bortles was not the starter anymore. So he averaged uh, nearly four less PPR points per game uh, without Bortles. And so now you have Bortles back. You have that Texans secondary that just got lit up by Philadelphia a week ago. And you have Monkey for a guy that, you know, for most of the year had, had a, a, a commanding lead in air yards, red zone usage, all that good stuff. Right now we haven't projected for zero to 1% ownership. So Really like, uh, really like Moncrief in that in that game. And then, as far as uh, a sneaky game, I am going to go with the Dolphins and the Bills game. Uh, that's a game that I think it's going to be pretty much ignored across the board. But uh, I think there are some interesting interesting options in that game. First, you look at obviously you know, Josh Allen and 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 the Bills receivers. You know, Zay Jones, Isaiah McKenzie, and and Robert Foster. You know, those guys have been commanding a high percentage of the target share over these last few games ever since they released Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. So, you know, you have Foster's kind of getting you those air yards. You have McKenzie's eating up receptions underneath and use a little bit in a, in a multi-purpose role. And Zay Jones is kind of the, the, the de facto number one at this point. And then um, on the Dolphins side, I mean, you had, you, you have Kenya Drake who, you know, he was used a lot more last game kind of went under the radar because uh, Dolphins didn't have a lot of play volume, but Kenyon Drake ended up, you know, seeing an increase in snaps and, and backfield touches and whatnot. And we remember how Adam Gase, you know, weaned on him to close out last season when, when he had a lot of injuries. So I think you can, look at, uh, you can look at Drake in this game as well. So I like, I like that game as a game that, that no one's going to be on. You might be able to kind of get a cheap, a cheap game stack in there um, with the Bills or, or with Drake and, and somebody else on the Dolphins. So for real life, I'm calling the uh, Redskins upsetting the Eagles this week. Um, I think we'll see a lot of the same approach this week where they just run it with AP and Josh Johnson and just, you know, really run down the clock, shorten the game, um, keep it close. And then, you know, I think the Eagles' uh, playoff chances will be shut down in Washington, D.C. this week. And then for DFS, my bold call, not too bold, but Saquon Barkley will be the top scoring running back on the main slate. You know, a lot of the top price running backs have some issues, so he's the only one I'm going to be targeting. Um, Dallas could rest uh, starters on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think he has a big game and locked down the, rook, the offensive rookie of the year over Baker Mayfield. Sean, random question. Redskins using Adrian Peterson a lot. This is a guy who could be playing his last NFL game. Uh, of course, maybe not. Like we've said that before, and he somehow comes back. Uh, and he, you know, he is someone who was productive this year. You know, granted, it was maybe, you know, uh, inconsistent and in particular spots, but uh, he was productive. Do you think if you had to uh, kind of handicap this, 
do you think he comes back and plays next year? Maybe not for the, maybe not for Washington, but for yeah. for some team. Yeah, maybe not for Washington, but yeah, I don't know if if he has a big game, maybe he wants to go out that way. But that's I haven't thought of that yet. That's an interesting thing to look into. I'm I'm big on final game narratives. You know, ever since the Kobe, Kobe Bryant, uh, yeah. final game, yeah, I loaded up on that. I had a great night. So so yeah, we have some of those to look out this week, and I, I don't think it's too crazy to think this could be Adrian Peterson's last game. But um, I wouldn't know. I'd have to look into you know his. Con- contract and what you know he might be a kind of guy that would just be a free agent next year and kind of sign with a team that needs a running back or something I, I don't really know what he's thinking personally but I don't think it's too crazy to think he just goes off um thinking this might be his last game I hate to spoil that narrative Sean but he did say last week that he plans to play for four more years but okay, there that's, you go. that's that's Adrian <laughs> Peterson also saying he's gonna play four more years he's already an old running back um yeah, I think that's really optimistic but I do expect yeah. him to play next year given uh, he's been effective as a, as a runner this year and, and certainly looks spry as an athlete, uh, even at an advanced age for that position. I'm going to go with uh, this Buffalo-Miami game as well. I had it written down. I think Josh Allen and Robert Foster is an incredible stack, and I think Buffalo not only covers but wins by uh, multiple touchdowns. There's talk of Ryan Tannehill just being completely out. It's going to be a complete reshaping of this Miami team. So the only downside from a fancy perspective for Allen is that Miami's just going to run a lot, but – I think Buffalo could play really, really well here. And Allen uh, has just been the perfect kind of backyard football uh, fantasy quarterback. So I'm going with them crushing the Dolphins and Josh Allen getting a rushing touchdown and a deep bomb to Foster, who just missed an 82-yard touchdown, lost the ball in the sun last week. Okay. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders and the Chiefs under. Uh, It opened at 55-and-a-half. I bet it at 55. Uh, In the Andy Reid era – uh, since 2013, no home team has been more profitable for underbetters than the Chiefs. You know, Arrowhead is just a, a tough place to play, especially in the winter. It's cold. It's loud. Uh, here's some information from the Rotoviz Game Splits app. Uh, Chief home games this year, um, the over-under has been 52.8. Uh, in the road games, the over-under has been 55.1. Uh, they've scored just around 52 uh, points at home, uh, uh, collectively the Chiefs and their opponents. Um, but they've crushed the overs uh, on the road. Um, So it's the situation where the Chiefs on the road have scored 38.2 points. At home, they scored 32. Uh, Their opponents have scored uh, 34 points uh, on the road, 20 points in Kansas City. Uh, So I think it's just uh, a situation where uh, there's maybe more downside in Kansas City than people realize. So like throughout the Reed era, the Chiefs have scored actually 2.81 fewer points at home. uh, And opponents have scored six fewer points in Kansas City. Um, so just a, a tough place to play. And then um, the divisional rematches late in the season tend to go under. And the 73 points that the Chiefs and Raiders combined to score in Oakland uh, about a month ago, I think could result in an inflated line. You know, you know, one player on the Raiders is used to playing in the cold weather, though. Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. That is true. <laughs> uh, or as I like to call him, the, um, the unofficial Antonio Brown. But... Uh, <laughs> He'll be in the prop contest. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I have to say, which, which leads me to, to this next point. Like I, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be consumed with this Antonio Brown thing. Although I, I am going to come up with some sort of bet for, for 2019 for anyone who wants to be on the other side of this. But uh, for week 17, Antonio in a smash spot as a home favorite going against the Horde Bengals, you know, must win game, lock it up, 100 yards, two touchdowns. That's why I said last week, I'm going with it again this week. I, I think he has a big game. So anyway, uh, I bet the over on his props last week. I'm doing it again this week, which brings us to the 
prop betting segment of the show. Odds maker set lines for us. Uh, side note, I don't believe we have updated standings uh, because of the holidays, but we will have those next episode. Uh, a reminder, Sean's projections power the Fantasy Labs models as well as our prop tools, which aggregate the player props from online sportsbooks, compares them to Sean's projections, and then shows you which bets provide the most value this season. Uh, the prop tool has been killing it. The, uh, the props with the bet quality of 10 have a win rate of 66%. So everyone, be sure to check out the props tool at Fantasy Labs for subscribers. Uh, Sean, you have some props for us, and I believe that some of these are going to appear in a free contest we're going to be running uh, in the Action Network app this weekend. What are the props you have for us? Okay, so at QB, uh, the first prop I have is Patrick Mahomes. Um, will he throw for 300 or more passing yards? And like I mentioned, the yes. Raiders have only allowed one guy to throw for over 300 yards this year. Um, not, not because they're you know necessarily good on pasty, but teams usually are up and don't really have an incentive to keep throwing. So I'm willing to throw this, this softer line out for you guys this week. I'm going over. Yes, over 300 yards. Yeah, I, the, my thing is you still have to look at – I think you know, the, the, the offensive player is going to be more predictive – a little bit more predictive ability in that than like just looking at the matchup. And Mahomes has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 300-yard games this season. So I, I, I do get that. You know, Oakland struggles, um, um, you know, to play football essentially and uh, teams don't throw on them. But I, I'll go with the offensive guy all day. Sean, I know you want us to take the under. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to make a late season push to go over 50. Uh, yeah, no, so. I, I want to take the over just because I know you want us to take the under. Yeah. No, I want you, I want you guys to take the over and then I just root for the under. No, that's not what was happening. You're like, oh, they've only thrown – 300 yards just once i'm just i'm just giving that to the <laughs> listeners yeah so they're not they're not confused when he only throws for 290 this week okay so next up um who will have more dk points this week aaron Rodgers uh at home against lions or matt ryan at tampa bay i'm gonna go I'm going, with aaron Rodgers. yeah i'm going aaron Rodgers aaron Rodgers for sure since uh since the firing of mike mccarthy the tampa bay defense has gotten just tougher in general, but then uh, particularly better against the pass. I mean, they're still not good. Now they're just getting destroyed by running backs. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're just – they're not quite as generous to quarterbacks as they were earlier in the season. All right, next up, um, we were talking about final games ever, and this, this could be a potential spot for Eli Manning. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any news on that. I know it's probably his final game as a Giant. I'm not sure if – um, you know, he's planning on retiring after this, but over under passing yards at home for Eli Manning, 240 and a half. He doesn't strike me as a guy in his final game really going off, just kind of just, you know, dumping it off a bit and calling it a day. So I, I think he'll go over uh, in part because I do think Dallas, like, I think they're really not even focused on this game. I think they are going to play a lot of uh, second and third stringers. That's what they've done in the past. And I actually don't think this is going to be his, his last game either um, with the Giants, but that's its own kind of separate thing. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. He still has really good pass-catching weapons, even if Odell Beckham doesn't play. Yeah, I have him going slightly over. I have him at 253, so I'll go over. Is that all three over? Yeah. Okay. Next up at running back, we mentioned him earlier with Philip Lindsay out this week. Uh, Royce Freeman gets to be the man. So his uh, total rushing yards versus the uh, Chargers over-under – 63 and a half. I'll take the under. Under. I was, I was hoping you would 
give a lower line so I could take the under, but uh, sorry, I could, sorry, I could take the over, but yeah, I'm going to take the under with that line. I'll go over here. I like the over here. Um, I think that Friedman's going to get about 70% of the carries. Uh, I think that'll be enough to, to kind of protect them for, 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 for some success. And I think the, Char- the Chargers, they're still weaker on run defense. I think that's what you want to do to them. The Broncos really, they're, they're so decimated. I think they put the ball in his gut a ton. The one thing about Freeman that, uh, I don't know, kind of frustrates me. Like, I think he's a, a very talented guy, and he was actually an underrated pass catcher in college. But uh, for whatever reason, they've just been running him into eight-man fronts a lot of the season. And I don't know if there's really going to be any difference in this game. And that's just really kind of impacted his ability to be efficient. So even if we – I mean, we expect him still to see much more usage this game. I just don't know if it's going to be quality usage. Yeah, no, you. that's a good point. I think, it, you know, it, it's one of those situations where – the usage, is just, you're just kind of hoping that he gets to enough carries to where he just pops like one 30-yarder or something, and that's enough. And yeah. that gets more likely as the, as the carries increase. All right, so next up, um, this, this is assuming that Todd Gurley's out. So if, if he plays, we'll, we'll avoid this bet. But C.J. Anderson, total rushing yards um, at home against the Niners, uh, over under 60 and a half. Over. Over. They be, I mean, they're going to they're gonna treat him like probably like a feature back if – if Todd Gurley is out, I think you'll see some John Kelly. But uh, you know, this is a this is a pretty good, pretty decent run blocking team. This is a you still have to worry about their their pass catching weapons. So I don't think it'll be too hard for for, for any guy that's getting you know into that fifteen carry range uh, to to hit sixty against uh, on the Rams offense. I mean, Sean, it's almost as if you don't know that C.J. Anderson is one of the greatest junior college running backs of all time. Got to respect he? him. <laughs> Hey, I did last week. Uh, everybody was trying to say, like, oh, no, like, John Kelly might be the guy. And I was like, you know, you just have to listen to the coach when, when he says that he's going to start a guy. You just kind of have to believe him to a certain point. So, uh, I like C.J. Anderson last week. Uh, like him this week. I think, yeah, I think 60 and a half might be a little too low. So, I'm a little bit nervous that you guys all got over that. But So, next up, a running back. I, I don't really like my next prop. So, if you guys have one you want to throw out there, I'll just make on the spot. Okay, more rushing yards. Mark Ingram plus 10, Alvin Kamara. What if they both sit? Don't play. Yeah. That's kind of my point, though. I'm like, because oh, okay. my thing is, I'm trying to think about, okay. I'll take, I'll, I'll take Ingram plus 10. Yeah. Sure, I'll take Ingram plus 10, too. Yeah. I think both those guys are awful plays this week, too. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, like, what do you guys think? You know, Kamara is obviously the more likely one to rest, but just, do you think that that – props Ingram into a more featured role and they try to get him up to speed because he missed no. earlier. They're just going to rest him too and go no, straight. They gotta, Washington. Yeah. They got to rest. Ingram. Yeah. He's too, he's too important. They'll, they'll mm. just run Dwayne Washington to the ground. They don't care. You know, I, I, that, like I said earlier, the, they could rest both and then Dwayne Washington's a great play. You know, he might get vultured by a guy like Zach line or something, but no, I think they just put, put everything on Dwayne Washington's plate this week and just look, look to the playoffs. I got, I got a fun running back one for uh, one game. Who you guys taking out of Elijah McGuire, James White, and Sony Michelle all in the same game? Elijah. Yeah, I like Elijah too. He just like he gets a ton of pass game usage. He's he's getting that like seventy, you know, seventy percent, you know, snap rate. So it's he has that like potential for that that smash spot. Whereas Michelle, I mean, he he gets the carries, but the the targets usually aren't aren't there. And then White is the opposite problem. The big the big argument for the Patriots guys though is they're thirteen and a half point favorites at home. That's interesting. They're all, I think, all in a bunch. Yeah, I guess I would probably go with McGuire just because I think he's going to have uh, the most usage. But Michelle, as a big home favorite, mm-hmm. is really interesting. Like, I could see him having one of those, like, 100-yard, two-touchdown games. 
Would you take a Patriots running back to outscore McGuire? I would, given the choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. take McGuire, but I, I haven't basically tied with White. Um, obviously, this game doesn't really set up for a James White game. Um, it's more of a Michelle game, but also, you know, Rex Burkhead, he, he had a big spike in um, snaps and uses this week. So if they get up big, you can get some Rex Burkhead in the second half. So uh, I'm, I'm avoiding the, the Patriots running backs altogether, and I, I do like McGuire, so I'm going with him. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I would I would go with McGuire to outscore like all the Patriots running backs. Just so give, given the choice, highest scoring running back in the game, you mm-hmm. take McGuire. You know, I guess the good prop would be McGuire or Patriots running back. I would go well, McGuire still. Patriots running back. Yeah, I'll take any Patriots <laughs> running back because I, I get James Devlin double dong too, just in case. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, moving to wide receiver, who will score more DK points, Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster? And I do have a spread. It's not a pickup. Uh, I'm not that nice. So, uh, Antonio Brown minus two. Uh, I'll take Antonio Brown. I hate myself. Uh, yeah, Antonio Brown. At home? Yeah. All day. Yeah, I'll go AB too, but it's close. Juju might play with some fire to make up for uh, the fumble. I love Juju so much. How yeah. can I not after what he did exactly. last Exactly. Next up, uh, Robbie Anderson, total receiving yards uh, at New England. Over, under, 65 and a half. Uh, under. Mean median situation. I'll take the over. I think the the targets. He's just getting a lot of targets, and enough of them are like the big play target variety. Where uh, I think he'll get it. That's a good line. I will go over because I have it just over. But yeah, I, it, it, that could go either way. I think yeah, like Freeman said, it's he gets so many of those those high air yard targets that all he needs is like one play to kind of push him, you know, seventy five percent of the way there. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough line to set. He and Arnold are ending mm-hmm. the season on a really strong note. So, you know, at that trajectory, I'm, I'm willing to set a, a line pretty high for them. You know, you know, it's crazy that the, the 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 last Jets offensive coordinator from last year allegedly got fired because he was too he schemed too much to Robbie Anderson, <laughs> and it seems that you know this whole year they've kind of been you know downplaying him until these last few games where they've been forced to feature him because of injuries, and lo and behold. We see their their passing offense start to get some life, so that's that yeah, was kind of a curious. I, yeah, we debated on the preseason <laughs> pod, and it's like, well, yeah, they were gonna throw to him or uh, Sharon Peak and our Darius Stewart, so they don't have a choice. Um, so yeah, and you know, like like Anunua is out. Um, I, I know Curse is banged up, so yeah, there's no reason to not just air it out to Robbie this week. So next up, uh, we mentioned him briefly, but he's a guy that we always have to monitor. Um, is Julio Jones at Tampa Bay? This is – he has to play for this to be action, of course. Uh, but over under 87.5 receiving yards. For who again? Sorry, I missed that. Julio. I'll take under. I think he could play and then sit. And I think he might not play too, but I'll take the under just given the uncertainty with him. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna agree there. I think they might not leave him out there for the whole game, and that's – that. you worry about that with that with such a high – such a high one. Next up is uh, tight end. Uh, who will score more DK points this week, Zach Ertz or George Kittle? Kittle, but I hate to say anything negative about my boy, Zach Ertz. Yeah, give me Kittle at this point just because you have, uh, you know, as we mentioned, everyone's banged up on San Francisco. You have Kittle uh, kind of approaching a 30% target share over the last few weeks, whereas Ertz a little more more mouse to feed. And um, I, I know Sean kind of likes that the, the Redskins in this spot. And I, I agree. I think it could be one of those lower scoring games. And, and you know, that's just not conducive to, to, to putting up a smash spot as much as, you know, Kittle in a, a higher scoring game. Uh, yeah. I want to take Ertz. 
um, because I think he's actually gotten more targets uh, in his games with um, with Foles actually than with Wentz. Um, but yeah, Kittle. I'm, I'm gonna have to go with Kittle just because the uh, the receiver group in San Francisco is just so decimated. He's basically the only one left. Yeah, and he's he's going for the uh, tight end yardage record. Um, Kelsey's up by. 48 yards, and Bovada was actually floating a line for this, and they had um, Kelsey at minus 130. Um, and I came up, the percent chances of um, him winning was like 62% or something, so you might want to take that line um, if it's still up. Um, next up, uh, Kyle Rudolph. He, uh, you know, finally had a ceiling game this year. Um, his total DK points this week at home, tough spot against the Bears. Um, over under seven and a half DK points for Rudolph. Under, under, but shout out Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I'll, I'll go over. I'll go over. I think uh, he can. He can get there just by catching a, a, a few passes underneath. So um, you know, kind of waiting for him to progress to the mean all year. It happened last game, but uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily done. So last but not least, Evan Ingram. This is uh, it's in play whether Odell ends up playing or not. Uh, I think the last three games he's had, had over 75 receiving yards or something in a row. I'm, I'm going to set his line at, whew, man, this is a tough one. I'm going to set it at 61 and a half. I think one is Red Ellison too, who was getting some targets and then got hurt. Um, if Ellison right. plays, I want to take the under, but if he doesn't, I'm going to take the over. So I'll assume if, he's not going to play. I'll take yeah, if he's, if he's a dealer with a concussion, there's no reason to send him out there. I'll take over. I will take the over on uh, yardage for Ingram. That's just a high number for me for a, for a tight end, especially in a game where it could be like a – it could be an ugly game. I think I do have Eli going over the prop Sean mentioned, but I, I do not have Ingram um, going over this one. So I'm, I'm going to stick with my uh, – stick with the projection. Yeah. I wonder. Uh, so, uh, I misspoke earlier. The prop I was talking about was the Big Ben versus Mahomes one. Oh, for, uh, for passing yeah. yardage. Yeah, yep. Okay, what did you – so right now the line is Roethlisberger negative 140 to win the uh, passing yardage title. Yeah, I got it at one, minus 130, but it should be closer to like minus 250 probably. So uh, I, one, minus 140 is definitely still some value on it. Yeah, okay. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. A quick scheduling reminder. No show on Monday next week, but we will have uh, the normal schedule of a show on Wednesday and a show on Friday. For Peter Jennings, Sean Corner, and Chris Raybon, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. See you again next episode.